appreciate you guys. I love being here. I'm going to be really short, yeah? But um, I want to read the intro to this, what I want to talk about today, because um, how many knows what yesterday was? <laughs> Juneteenth. How many knows what that means? Juneteenth. Basically, in 1863, our president at the time, Abe Lincoln, signed a document, and it was called the Emancipation Proclamation, right? And it declared that all people that were enslaved were free men, free women. Two years later, Texas decided to get the news. <laughs> Took a little time, I guess. The couriers were a little slow. Texas got the news, and that's when Juneteenth was. It was June 19th, 1865, that all slaves were freed, freed men. Uh, they could choose to be free. And, and uh, so that was yesterday. It was a celebration of it yesterday. And um, you've heard the Emancipation Proclamation, right? The president wrote it. And um, I just want to just talk about it just for a second. Um, that's what the whole Civil War was about. I, I just have to do this because this is good. It's a good thing for our country to remember this stuff. It's good to remember where we came from, not to carry the baggage of it, but to be like, look where we were, look where we are now, and how much better it's becoming, right? (laughs) It says that this document did not completely end slavery in the country because there were still landowners and people that fought it, and they didn't want it to end. You know the stories. You've read the history books. They didn't want it to end, and so it took some time. But what this document did (laughs) was it opened the heart and the imagination of our country to what was possible. Did you hear that? It took some time for it to become what we see today and what we have today where where people can't be discriminated because of their color of their skin, right? Martin Luther King Jr., one of his greatest, the greatest speeches of all time. You know, if we were adding things to the Bible that weren't spiritual, we would definitely add that thing to the Bible because it was spiritual, right? And we could just put an addendum and put his speech in the back of the Bible because it was God's heart for our country. It took time for this thing to take place, but what it did was it birthed inside the heart of a country what it should be like. Even though it's like this now, the Emancipation Proclamation said, this is what it should be like, and this is what it will be like, right? In Isaiah chapter 61, I want to read to you the original Emancipation Proclamation. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of God's favor and a day of vengeance for God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve, and to give people a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Oil of gladness instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of despair. Jesus was the fulfillment of this prophecy in Isaiah 61. It was the original Emancipation Proclamation. And if you'll read in Luke 4, you can read this in your own time, Luke 4, verse 18 and 19. Jesus one day goes to the temple. And in those times, uh, you learn this in school, and, and, and what they would do is they would literally just read the Bible basically like in order. They would just read the, 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 the Old Testament law and the scriptures in order. Jesus walks in one day and begins to, and he 
jumps out of sequence and goes to Isaiah 61 and begins to declare this over the people that were there. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And he begins to quote Isaiah 61. What Jesus was saying was up until this point in time, things had been this way. But I declare to you today that this is what I'm coming to bring into, into reality. This is, this is what I bring with me. This is your emancipation proclamation. I have come to release captives and prisoners. Now there's a big difference between captives and prisoners. And I feel like I, I just want to hit some of this quick because God wants to heal people's hearts today. I felt this so strong all week that today was a time for complete healing from wounds and hurts and disappointments. Matt started it last week by getting the revelation from God to, to, to lay aside and cut off those things that, that were, were unnecessary. But the Lord wants to heal us up today. I believe that with all my heart. And so it's important for you to know that, that in Isaiah 61 and in Luke 4, Jesus was declaring what it was going to be like now. How many knows that nothing happens in the kingdom of God without a declaration? Before God does anything, he speaks it into reality. He speaks. So Jesus comes and says, I have come from God. The Spirit of the Lord is up on me. He has anointed me to set captives and prisoners free. Prisoners are those who have broken the law and are guilty. And they're paying their own penalty for what they did. So Jesus gets up. And up until this point in time, people couldn't be really forgiven for their sins. They were just pushed off for another year. It was like paying the minimum payment on your credit card bill. It doesn't go away. It definitely comes back later. So every year they would have to offer a sacrifice for their sins and it would get them by for another year. They would offer a sacrifice. Jesus was saying, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. I'm declaring a new proclamation. I have come to set prisoners free. So even though you're guilty of the law... Even though you've messed up and you're you are wrong, you did wrong, you feel like you have to pay for it. I have come to pay your penalty for you. There are people in this room that still feel like prisoners. I can't stop making these decisions. I feel like I'm in prison by the decisions that I make. And Jesus wants you to know today that he announced almost 2,000 years ago that the new emancipation proclamation has been set apart and you have been set free from whatever thing you've done that you're guilty of. You're free. Right? He also said he came to set captives free. Now, a prisoner and a captive are really different things. The prisoner did something wrong and they're getting what they deserve. A captive is taken prisoner. They're innocent. They didn't do anything wrong. But they're paying for it as if they did something wrong. They're ensnared because of someone else's decision or because of a catastrophe that happened around them. When Jesus quoted Isaiah 61 and declared this, he says, I've come to set captives free. I want you to know today that there are many people in this room, you have been ensnared, you've been captivated, you've been enslaved because of other people's decisions. Even, maybe even when you're a little kid, things happened that have captivated you to this point in time. And the Lord wants you to know that He says that it's over today, you're free, you're a free person. You have the choice to be free today. See, Jesus at the cross paid for all of our penalty. He paid for all the sin. He paid for those that were guilty. He paid for those that were innocent, that were captivated. He paid for all of it. He became our punishment at the cross. 
Why would we live any other way than free? He came to heal those with broken hearts. He came to bring beauty for ashes, gladness for mourning, peace for despair. The word salvation, how many knows that he's, he's our salvation, right? We talked about it just a little bit. She hit on, on the, the word sozo. We have a ministry here. It's for inner healing ministry. It's called sozo ministry. And it's a Greek word, and it literally means saved, healed, or delivered. So all through Scripture, when you see the word salvation in the New Testament, it will always mean one of those three things, either salvation like from your sins and eternal life and, and the soul's salvation, or it means healing, or it means delivered. I want you to know today that Jesus came to save you. He came to save your soul for now and for eternity. He also came to heal you physically, emotionally, relationships, and he came to deliver you. Are you still with me? The word salvation, saved, healed, delivered. Grace is not just an antidote when you do something wrong. We say this a lot of times. I want you to remember this. Grace is an antidote, right? If you sin, how many knows that grace is there to forgive us? He's there to forgive us for our sin. It's like I got bit by a rattlesnake. There's an anti-serum to take care of that. Grace is the anti-serum from the rattlesnake of bite of sin, right? But it's not just an anti-serum. It's an antidote. It can keep you from being hurt. When you leave the country, you go to other countries, uh, other cultures, we have different diseases that we don't have here, and we have diseases they don't have there. And so when you travel internationally, you have to get shots before you go because they want to make sure you don't get sick when you go there. Grace isn't just something that heals you when you're sick. It's something that can keep you when you're well. It can keep you from getting sick. And Jesus declared all of this when he stood in the temple and he says, I am the Messiah. Literally, that's what he was saying. I am the one that all the prophets have spoken of. I'm the one that your hearts are longing for. And I'm here and the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And I've come to set captives free. I've come to become an antidote and an anti-serum. I've come to release you from prison. In 2 Corinthians... Verse, uh, chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. You've probably heard this scripture many times. But it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so this is Paul saying, So I, I boast about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. Say this with me. His grace... Is sufficient. Now I want you to look at it from the lens of it's not just an antidote, but it's also not just an antiserum, but it's an antidote. His grace is sufficient. I've always read that scripture my whole life because Paul's saying he had a thorn, of, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. And I've always thought God, God says, it's okay, you're going to be sick forever, but my grace will help you through it. I've always read it like that. How many of you have read it like that? Because Paul's like, I prayed three times for this thing to go away. And, and then this is the answer God gave him. My grace is sufficient for you. So I always thought, oh, stay sick, but my grace, you'll, you'll be okay. I'll take care of you. But I totally read it differently now. The word there, sufficient, means possessing unfailing strength. It means more than enough. It means able to defend or ward off. It means able to satisfy. And it means to, to raise up a barrier of protection. 
So what Jesus was saying to Paul was, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not just here to be your anti-serum, but I'm your antidote. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to put a barrier of protection around you. Today I want you to know that the Lord wants to put a barrier of protection. If you've been a, a captive, if you've been a prisoner, if you've been wounded, if you've been afflicted, he read something 2,000 years ago that declared that you were a free person. And it's over. And it, it's only over when you say yes to him. Okay? We're just going to stop there because I want to pray. I really just want to pray for people. <clears throat> How many of you are here today and say, hey, I've, I've had something, an issue I want over today? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you stand? Because we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to have someone close to you just touch you. It's over today. It's over today. I want to name some things. Emotional scars. Some of you, your memories torment you. Memories of things done to you and things you've done torment. Why don't you close your eyes? I, I want to be really specific. Close your eyes. If you're here and you say, my memories torment, torment me, I want you to raise your hand. All right. We're going to pray for that first. So everyone, let's pray into that, that God will heal memories. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, we declare freedom to memories. We ask that you would remove scars. We ask that you would remove torment that comes from, from the things we've experienced. I ask that you would purify our minds right now. Purify the lens that we see things with. I ask that you would bring healing to our memories right now. Lord, I ask that if, if we've done something wrong, forgive us so we can be free. And Lord, if others have done us wrong, I ask that we forgive them so we can be free. In Jesus' name, Lord, we speak healing to the memories right now. God, I ask that you would replace those with new memories, with new insight, with new revelation. Lord, I ask that no, that offense would not take root in hearts. And we say that the tormentor must stop right now. It's illegal for him to torment you any longer. When Jesus read the Emancipation Proclamation, he's saying no longer is it legal for Satan to torment people. It's no longer okay for him to do this. Once you say that, it is no longer okay for me to be tormented. <laughs> Tell the enemy. No longer can you torment me. His grace is sufficient for you. It's enough for you. It's more than enough for now and for the future. All right, we dealt with memories. Let me hear you've been a captive. You've been captivated because of something someone else did. Raise your hand. Wrong place, wrong time, whatever it is. All right, Lord, right now we pray for captives to be set free, the innocent to go free. See, you're a God of justice, and justice to you means when things that are wrong are made right. So, Lord, I ask right now that you would go into the injustices in this room and make wrong things right. That's just what you do. You can't help but make wrong things right. You walk into a room, you're a problem solver. I ask that you would do that right now, that you'd come into this room, that you'd go into people's hearts, and you'd problem solve. That you'd bring justice. In Jesus' name. Let me hear say, hey, I'm a prisoner. I've done wrong things and I've been in prison for it. Just raise your hand. Nothing to ever be ashamed of here. Let me say this. Once it's over, he cuts the ties between the wages of sin as well. 
I want you to know that I've said this many times before, but I've heard people tell me this. They've come up and asked for prayer because they have emphysema, and they say, I deserve this. I smoked all those years. I'm like, but did you ask for forgiveness for it? Yeah, I did. Are you serving God? Have you, have you stopped smoking? Yeah, I've stopped. I've changed. Then why do you think that it has to continue? Why do we think that, that, why do we think that our sowing and reaping is more powerful than God's mercy and grace? I, I am a big believer in sowing and reaping. I really am. I believe that we reap what we sow. That's true. But there's a law that's even more powerful than that, and it's called the law of grace. See, sowing and reaping says this. You get what you deserve. The law of grace is we get what he deserved. Did you hear that? Did you get that? <laughs> we get what Jesus deserved, and he took on what we deserved. That's what grace is. And so if you're here and you've been a prisoner, we want to pray that God sets you free. Lord, today we ask for freedom. Freedom right now in Jesus' name. Freedom from the thing that's caused him to feel guilty and be guilty. We ask that that thing would be broken off of lives. We ask that bondages would be broken. We ask that, that behaviors will shift. I ask that even cravings and addictions will shift today, Lord that you would make us healthy. Lord, that people that feel like they're paying for things that they did when they were young, I ask that you would bring healing and restore them. You even said in Scripture that you would restore to people the, the things that the locusts and the worms stole. You would restore it. And so, God, we ask that you would restore people today. In Jesus' name. Now, here's the, here's the key. Galatians says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So we should no longer, anybody know it? We should no longer be yoked with slavery again. So how foolish would it be for a person who's been set free to go back to the slave quarters? Hello? So the Lord wants to break the things that cause us to be enslaved. He's not so, let me say this, he's not so interested on your, in your outward behavior. He knows that if he can touch your heart and clean there, the outside will take care of itself. So today God's not dealing with whether you drink, whether you smoke, whether you have this thing or that. God wants to deal with your heart. If the heart is pure, everything else will become pure. You can be seated if you want to. We're going to pray again, but I just feel like I have to say this. He wants to deal with the inside out today. So if you still feel like there's an issue in your heart that's not been resolved, that's not been settled, has to be taken care of right now because otherwise all those fringe things will stay there because they feel like they have legal access. Satan is a legalist. He can only go where he has legal right to go. Hello? Are you still with me? He can only go where he has legal right to go. The only way he can come and invade our life or bring uh, calamity or issues to our life is if we give him access to our life. He has zero power, zero authority until we come into agreement with him. Am I telling the truth? Colossians says that at the cross, Jesus publicly made a spectacle of Satan, stripped him of all power and all authority, that he once was the prince and power of the heirs, but now Jesus has all power on heaven and earth and under the earth. Right? 
And then he says, now that I have it, Jesus says, now that I have it, I give that same power to you. So you have power to overcome all of the powers of the enemy. Romans 16, 19, and 20 says, Be excellent about what is good. Be innocent about what is evil. And then the God of peace will soon come and crush Satan under your feet. It's one of my favorite scriptures. So today the Lord wants to, to heal the heart completely. Deal with the heart. A heart transplant. We think we, are, we, think we gain uh, closeness to God from outside in. Like if I educate myself, if I read the Bible enough, if I pray enough, if I do things out here, they will somehow get my heart closer to God. And that's totally backwards. The only way to draw close to Him is let our heart draw close. Internal reality creates external reality. You still okay? I want to pray again. Why don't you pray for your neighbor? Just pray for your neighbor's heart. That God would just give us a new heart, a new operating system. The old operating system won't work anymore. It's incompatible. (laughs) Father, today I ask that you would help us to see with new eyes and hear with new ears. I ask that our hearts would become completely new. Lord, we talked last week about you initiate, we respond. I ask that you would train us. I ask that you would rewire us to be so sensitive to you, to be in tune with you, Lord. And as that process of us becoming in love with you and and abiding in you, as that happens, all the other issues of life will take care of themselves. Because you said, above all else, guard your heart, for all of life's issues flow out of the heart. God, I ask that right now our hearts would be made clean and pure. Lord, we pray the same prayer that David prayed. Create in us a clean and a pure heart, O God. Renew a right spirit inside of us, Lord. We ask that you would do that today, Lord. I ask that you, it wouldn't just be a process that begins and ends in this moment. I ask that it would carry on for the rest of our life, Lord. Amen. Have Matt close it up. He's with Mariano Rivera. He's our closer. Sorry, we had to have a little huddle, a little, a little board meeting. <laughs> uh, okay, um, Jared agreed to let me speak next week. The Lord's been intently, I mean, sorry, intensely preparing me um, to minister to the exact thing that he's talking about on a very detailed level, um, dealing with specific heart issues, recognizing the tactics that our enemy tries to use, I'll tell you, he's, he's clever. The devil is clever. At least give him, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say credit, but recognize the fact that he's not an idiot. He's good. If you ever played chess, you know the better, the person who's going to win is the person who can look farther ahead. The person who's going to win the chess match is the one who can see, well, this leads to this, which leads to this, which leads to this, and whoever can see further ahead is going to win the chess match. And so what I, I have... All these things that the Lord has been teaching me about, 
And basically, he's been giving me the cheat sheet to the devil's chess match. So I want to share these things with you. Um, but there's a lot of them, and it'll take a lot of time. And I didn't want to take too much time today, so he agreed to let me do it next week. Um, but there's one specific one that I, we have to hit on, and, and it's grief. Um, if, you're, if you have grief in your heart, then you can't, you can't step into what God really wants you to step into. And that's true for all of these, all, all, all of the things I'll be talking about. It, you have to have balance in your heart. There has to be all of the things, that, the good things that the Lord wants you to have in your heart have to be there and have to be stronger than the bad things that the devil is trying to put into you. And if any one of those things is off kilter, you're going to really, really struggle to walk in your destiny, to walk in your calling. But the one I really want to discuss this morning is grief. If, if you're struggling with grief, you've lost something, something that's very dear, something that's very precious, you've lost it, and you're sorrowful about it, right? That's what grief is. You're somewhere inside afraid to let go because you don't want to dishonor the memory of what it is that you lost, whether it's a family member or a friend or a job, whatever it is. If you're feeling grief after a while that there, there should have been a healthy healing time and you're still burdened with grief, it's is because you're having trouble letting go. And what I want you to realize is that the Lord doesn't want you to let go. Everybody will tell you, you have to let it go, you have to let it go, you have to let it go. And that's not what the Lord wants you to do, but he wants you to remember in a different way. The love that that thing had for you, or that person had for you, is still alive in you. And it is meant to be reflected to something new. Letting go of grief isn't about getting rid of a memory, but it's about learning to treasure that memory through the new things that the Lord has given you in your life, through new relationships, through new love. There's a cycle there. So if you're burdened with grief, this morning I want you to recognize what new thing the Lord has put in your life. And I know, you know, what do you always tell a kid that whose dog died? Don't worry, we'll get a puppy. And it's, it's never good enough. <laughs> it's not the same. It's not the same. But it's the right step. There's wisdom in what those parents tell that kid. We'll get you a puppy. There's wisdom in that. Treasure the new things that the Lord is putting in your life and let the memory of what you've lost live on through the new things you're experiencing. If you can take that step, then it's not about letting go. But it's about holding on. But holding on in a way that opens yourself up. Does that make sense? I wanted to say that because we have a lot of guests here this morning, and I felt a heavy burden for it. And, and you guys may not be joining us next week. So uh, we'll, I'll kind of recap that same one next week. But if you're not going to be here next week, please hold on to that. I don't know who it was for. I just know we have a lot of guests here, and I, and I feel like somebody needed that. Um, so let's go ahead and close it out, though. Um, today's Father's Day. Don't forget about your Father in heaven. You spend time.
Give your dad a gift. Spend some time with your dad. Maybe mow the lawn for him or something. Don't forget about your father in heaven. Take some time today to pray and thank him for being a father. All right? Let's just all join together. Lord Jesus, you can repeat after me. (laughs) Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. My salvation is entirely in you. All of my hope is entirely in you. All of my well-being is entirely in you and what you did on that cross. I believe in you. I believe in the eternal life that you want for me. And I believe in the intimacy that you want me to have with my Father. I give myself to you in complete trust. Amen. You guys be blessed. We love you.